Episode of Hitting Paydirt by Impact Sports. This is episode number 48, and I am Alex Beaudry. So I wanted to hit a few topics this morning. Um, one dealing with the commanders and our favorite owner, Dan Snyder. Uh, and then talking about where NFL contracts might go after the Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed deal. So I had a conversation with uh Mr. Brian Klemecki yesterday, and he asked a a pretty good question about player options and, you know, how that already exists in the NBA and what that might look like in the NFL. So I want to discuss what the CBA has to say about it and why NFL owners may or may not want to go down that path. And then lastly, um, I wanted to discuss the Derek Carr extension because that was kind of the news that came out yesterday afternoon. Um, And he signed a very team-friendly deal uh, mainly because it sounds like he really wanted to stay in Vegas. So we'll we'll discuss that, what that might look like, and owners may be able to take a collective deep breath um, because, you know, while Derek Carr may not be an elite quarterback, he's certainly a far above average quarterback, and he got nothing near what Deshaun Watson did. So uh, the NFL may be able to take a deep breath, look to the Browns and say, look, that was a total anomaly. That's not the norm. So we'll get into that. But first we head back to DC. Mr. Dan Snyder, um, the report's coming out and you can't go a day now without having something come out with this Congress related investigation into workplace misconduct or toxic work environment. There's an oversight committee in Congress that's investigating not only workplace, the toxic workplace that's been alleged, but also, excuse me, but also uh, now some financial (laughs) misconduct. So I talked a little bit about this with Mike on... Uh, over the weekend on the podcast that was released on Monday. Um, but a little bit more details and then a really good point that I saw on Twitter from Matt Schaub. So um, here's a quote, and I'm reading directly from The Athletic. They have a good column on this. Uh, Congress says Dan Snyder may have engaged in troubling, long-running, and potentially unlawful pattern of financial conduct that allegedly involved withholding up to $5 million in refundable deposits from season ticket holders and also hiding money to be shared among NFL owners. So a couple of things here. Dan Snyder apparently, allegedly, has no problem stealing from everybody. So first, the fans. So as season ticket holders, there's things like uh, ticket leases and they can get deposits back. I don't really want to get into the details of it, one, because it's not relevant, and two, uh, I'm certainly not an expert in season ticket holding or seat leases. Um, However, what you need to know is that the team had unreturned security deposits for around 2,000 accounts belonging to customers and fans totaling approximately $5 million. So if you are a commander season ticket holder um, and you're one of these 2,000 individuals, you know, 
you're 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 hanging you're losing some money that's hanging out around there and dan snyder is if true spitting directly in the face of his fans so you know 2000 divided by 5 million that's about $2500 a pop um certainly not a small amount of money for your casual season ticket holder so um that's one allegation again if true it would be really hard to be a fan of the Washington Commanders as long as Dan Snyder is in charge. And to be honest, that's probably been true for a decade. I know a lot of people want him out. Um, so that's allegation 1A. Allegation 1B is the ticket uh, withholding ticket money that's supposed to be shared among the 32 NFL teams. We talked about this again on the Monday podcast with me and Mike. Essentially, in the NFL, owners have agreed that the home team, and I, there's some caveats to all this, and but basically how it works in a nutshell is that the team, the home team collects 60% of the ticket revenue, and then about 40% of the ticket revenue goes into a giant pool of money, and then at the end of the year, that pool of money is distributed among the 32 teams. Washington is being accused of under-reporting that amount to the NFL, therefore ripping off not only their owners, but as Matt Schaub on Twitter pointed out, ripping off the players. So when it comes to salary cap calculations, okay, we'll get into the weeds a little bit here. In the CBA, uh, 55% of the salary cap is made up of media deals. So when the NFL signs new deals, you know, for $113 billion or whatever it is over the course of the next 10 years, 55% of that money goes into calculating the salary cap. 45% of NFL ventures and postseason earnings go into that money. And then 40% of local all revenues. Ticket sales would be included in local all revenues. Also things like televised preseason games, um, concessions, parking, all the things that go into a local team's revenue, um, radio deals, etc. All of that goes in. So 40% of that money is due to the players in the form of the salary cap. So if true, and Dan Snyder is, and the Washington Commanders are withholding amounts that are supposed to go into this pool, not only is he ripping off other owners, which is probably the biggest no-no from his future uh, as an owner standpoint, but he's also ripping off the players because that revenue that should have gone into that pool to be distributed to the teams is now lower and the players are now getting a lower percentage. Again, uh, the team, the club, and Dan Snyder, they are not they are disputing these allegations the individual who came forward uh i have his name here friedman i think um he was a former like vice president of ticket sales or something like that he's the one who is um coming forward with these reports yeah friedman but the club's accusing him of perjury um and essentially their stance is, you know, he wanted his job back in January, didn't get it. Now all of a sudden, you know, he's 
making up these reports. So, you know, we'll let Congress and the investigators, I, I know the NFL is now in compliance with this um, investigation. They, they kind of have to be. They're forced to be. The Congress has forced their hand. Um, but if it comes out that, it, that this is true, I don't know how this man can be allowed to stay because he's apparently, again, allegedly, ripping off his fans, ripping off the other owners, and now hurting the players. So it's across the board here. And, you know, in my opinion, where there's smoke, there's fire. This doesn't seem right. Uh, but we'll see. Um, but I, I thought that was a great tweet by Matt Schaub, something that I hadn't considered at first glance. You know, everybody's been talking about how, you know, the, the other owners are being hurt. But players are entitled to a piece of this money as well. And um, something to not be forgotten if these allegations are true. So... We'll continue to watch the commanders from afar. We'll let Congress do their thing. Hopefully this gets resolved. It's going to be fascinating to watch how Mr. Snyder is treated by other owners as more information comes out. Okay, so let's switch gears. Let's get into some contract talk. Um, you know, we've talked about a little bit ad nauseum here what the impact of the Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed deal might do uh, to the rest of the league and how other teams and other players and their agents may move forward in light of the fact that we had our first real game-changing fully guaranteed deal. So again, Deshaun Watson gets five years, $230 million fully guaranteed. We've seen other fully guaranteed deals in the NFL but most of them are two-year deals, maybe a three-year deal. I think Kirk Cousins kind of set the high bar at three years, $85 million when he moved from uh, Washington to Minnesota. And, you know, he's kind of continued to add on fully guaranteed years. But we haven't seen a fully, you know, four- or five-year fully guaranteed deal. And I think the NFL and, their own, and the teams, you know, they took a – like, oh, my God, when that Deshaun Watson deal came through. And there was probably some panic. One, when you have a fully guaranteed deal, you have to have that full amount set in escrow. So you have to be a little bit cash rich, which a lot of these teams are not, especially teams who are building new stadiums, uh, looking to relocate. So I'm looking at, like, the teams in L.A. Um, Buffalo now is building a brand new stadium. Like, could you imagine you're trying to build a new stadium, even with – the amount that they're getting from the public, I think Buffalo's getting $850 million from the city and the state of New York, uh, from the city of Buffalo and the state of New York. Even so, they're they're going to have an out-of-pocket cost in, in the couple hundred million. And now Josh Allen contract is fully guaranteed, and you need to set that entire amount of that contract in escrow. That can be very hard for certain teams. Cincinnati, they're a smaller market team. What if Joe Burrow wants the next fully guaranteed deal? Do they have enough cash on hand to just set aside and put an escrow just to pay for that contract? So some interesting facets from a team finance side on what that might look like there. But I think furthermore, you know, as the norm goes on, it's only right that this would trickle down not only into quarterbacks, but into your middle tier of quarterbacks, and then furthermore into uh, the rest of the league. So you got the, you know, 
the other position, the other position groups. So um, this is something that's being talked about a lot more, which I think is fantastic, and hopefully players get there. Obviously, as an agent, I, I hope that players can get what they're worth. Um, it's it's interesting that the NFL is the only um, the only league that doesn't have fully guaranteed deals, and you know you hear these contract amounts, and it's it's actually kind of pointless to discuss them because that's that's far from what happens. I mean, a perfect example is a Darius Smith. I mean, he's a Pro Bowler a couple of years ago. This last year he gets hurt. The upcoming year he's got a, a huge cap number. I think it was going to be like $27 million. So the Packers just cut him, and they move on. They save all that cap. Zadarius Smith doesn't make his base salary this year, and the groups go their separate way. And now he's got to find a new deal. So what might this look like moving forward? I do wonder if moving forward players will take shorter deals but have fully guaranteed money. You know, as an agent, when I look at that, there are some benefits to doing that. One, you hit free agency much quicker, which if you're performing at a high level, that's what you want. You want the power to go out and seek other offers because the market will dictate your value. And if your value is higher than what it would have been under a three or four or five year contract, why wouldn't you take two years fully guaranteed, three years fully guaranteed, um, and get to free agency sooner? Because um, if if you do a, a longer-term deal, you do a five-year deal, but really only two of that's fully guaranteed, essentially what you're doing is you're giving the team an option. It's a team option at that point. Um, the team has the ability to either keep you or move on from you. And sure, there's some repercussions if the team decides to move on in the form of dead cap, which means they retain a bunch of your salary on their books for the following year. But as we've seen, teams don't care about that. They're, they're willing to take a little bit of a punishment now to move on. I think the new record is now, is it Carson Wentz again? It, it, it's changed, but like every year we're like, oh yeah, dead cap kills teams. And then the Rams have no problem doing it. They did it with Brandon Cooks. They did it with Jared Goff. Uh, the Eagles did it with Carson Wentz. Uh, Atlanta's doing it with Matt Ryan. You can see these teams don't care taking a huge dead cap hit for one year to move on from a player. So while there is one deterrent in the form of dead cap for a team to move on early, it's really it's really not that big a deal. So, you know, if if a player takes a shorter term deal but fully guarantees it, they're probably going to get the same amount of money, fully guaranteed money at least, if they did a three or four or five year deal with no guarantees on the back end. Um, but it allows you to get to free agency quicker. And, you know, as a player, you might say, well, I have no, you know, what if I, what if my play drops off? Well, to that, I would say, if your play drops off anyway, you're likely to get cut. So might as well take the money, take a shot on yourself, and then look to, you know, hit free agency even sooner, sign another extension. Because again, if you want player empowerment, you have to have the right to move. The other thing I saw in terms of fully guaranteed deals, and I thought this was a fantastic point and something that's interesting. I don't know how teams would feel about it, but Mike Gennetti from SpotTrack.com had an interesting tweet that said, you know, if we do get to the point where players are getting fully guaranteed deals, similar to what is happening in the NBA, um, we'll see much more trades. 
which is interesting and probably true and probably the reason why the NFL doesn't want to go down this road. So the perfect example right now is if you follow the NBA, Russell Welsh. Russell Westbrook of the Los Angeles Lakers has a $47 million player option for 2023, or excuse me, 2022-2023, so for next season. He's obviously going to pick that up. He played not well last year, which is probably an understatement. Uh, The LA faithful turned on him pretty quickly to the point where (laughs) – Russell Westbrook and his family his family doesn't even attend games anymore because some of the criticisms have grown to that point. So, you know, he's sitting there. He's getting older. He had a bad season. Of course, he's going to pick up his $47 million option. Well, now the turn is, okay, L.A. doesn't want that on their books. So now they're going to trade him. And, you know, for some team, they'll probably take that on, plus get some draft picks. And, you know, the new team gets uh, at least a big name. They can sell some jerseys. And the Lakers get rid of $47 million in cap. That would likely translate to the NFL, right? If in three years Deshaun Watson stinks, he can't play football anymore, Cleveland would likely want to move on from that. Maybe there's a team that takes a chance on a quarterback. Cleveland gets rid of their salary. And you can see how that would apply to every position that might potentially have a fully guaranteed deal. Again, does the NFL and their teams want to be put in that position? That that answer is certainly no, especially since today they don't have to. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is a perfect example of this. So right now, Jimmy Garoppolo is set to make, I think, about $28 million in his base salary this next year. None of it's guaranteed. But if it was fully guaranteed, the 49ers would have his $28 million locked in, plus it looks like they're moving on to Trey Lance. So what do you do with Jimmy G? They would have to trade him. Right now, they don't have to. They've been holding on to him. They're hoping to trade him, Um, but they don't have to. They can let him sit there. Maybe he starts at the beginning of the year. They give Trey Lance more time to develop. Whatever it might be, they have options, but if they cut him, there's no repercussions to them. They can just move on. If he was guaranteed you know, there would be repercussions and they would lose maybe a little bit of trading leverage in the process. So I think, I think the teams from the club side really don't want to get down that road. Um, it's almost like they're protecting themselves from themselves. If you don't have this fully guaranteed deal, you can just move on very little punishment, if at all. And by punishment, I just mean financial to their salary cap purposes. Um, so I think I think teams understand what NBA management has to go through, and I think they would rather avoid that. The other question when I was talking with uh, Brian about it, you know, he said, "What do you think about players ever getting to the point like the NBA has with with player options?" Um, and I was like, "You know what? That's a good question." And let me go back to the CBA to see you know, how that might be treated from a salary cap standpoint. And this is in Article 13, Section 6, uh, page 109, for those of you following, around, follow, following along at home. Um, and it states, any contract year in which the player has the right to terminate based upon events in their sole control shall not be counted as a contract year for purposes of proration. So what that means is if you have a player – 
let's say they sign a four year it's a hundred million dollars in total money um but 60 million of that is in a signing bonus right and then maybe you have a fifth year player option the problem for the team in that contract example is teams like to spread out salary cap bonuses they like to prorate that money into future years to lower the cap hits in year one and year two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, in my example, that player would have a base salary over those first four years of $10 million. And then the signing bonus proration, that 60 million would be spread out over the four years. If they have a fifth year player option, that salary cap, which would have been, you know, 20 or excuse me, $12 million over five years now drops down into 15 years over four years. They can't prorate it into that player option year. So it really stunts their ability to move cap around. You think about this in the context of the Saints. They love taking players' base salaries, dropping it down to the league minimum, converting it to signing bonus, and then spreading it out over years. It's how they manage their cap. It's what GMs and teams do when they've hit a salary cap wall. So, you know, if you have a player option at the end of a contract, it really limits a team's ability to manage that cap. The Packers this year, because they were, you know, maneuvering for more money for Aaron Rodgers, they not only dropped base salary and converting it to signing bonus, they also added on void years at the end of contracts in order to spread out that signing bonus even further. If those players had a player option at the end of their contracts, you wouldn't be able to do that. So not only would NFL clubs be giving up something that they probably don't want to, which is a player option, giving the player power and control, which teams don't want to do, it would also limit their ability to manage that contract moving forward should they get into a pinch from a salary cap perspective. So, you know, is it impossible that we see a player option? No, it's not. I mean, you know, you look at some of these quarterbacks coming out, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, maybe they have enough power and enough leverage over their teams to implement something like a player option. But I think clubs would actually be, they would prefer more to just do a fully guaranteed deal similar to Deshaun than have a player option because when you have that player option at the end of a contract, it really limits their ability to manage that contract from a salary cap perspective. So I think the first team that does a player option, I think would get side eyes from the other clubs. I don't think the NFL wants to go that direction. And after kind of looking at what the CBA has to say about it, I would be, I'd be shocked if we get there. So um, but we'll see anything's possible and players are figuring out, especially quarterbacks that they are in control. They do have leverage over the teams they play for. And hopefully it does continue to shift that paradigm from teams to owners. Um, but as we saw with Derek Carr, we're still, we're still pretty far away. So let's, let's pivot there. Um, Derek Carr signed an extension yesterday. 
for a three-year extension. So he's got 2022, and then he added three years on top of it. So 2023, 2024, and 2025. Basically three years for $121.5 million. He got a seven, and, and this is all off spottrack.com. He got a $7.5 million signing bonus. His average salary over that period of time is $40.5 million. I believe that puts him in the top five of all quarterbacks. At least for now, again, as some of these other young guys get their extensions, uh, $40 million is going to look like a bargain, which is kind of crazy. Uh, it's actually a lot crazy if you think about where the quarter market, quarterback market was just a couple years ago. I think of guys like Stafford and Russell Wilson, even Aaron Rodgers before he signed his latest extensions. Um, you know, those guys who are in your upper tier of quarterbacks, uh, you know, they're making around 30, 33 million dollars a year. And now Derek Carr, who is probably a step below those guys, is getting 40 and a half average per year. Um, so that 121 and a half million over the next three years, 65.2 of that is in total guarantees. He's got about 25 of that, which is guaranteed at signing. So how it breaks down is um, this year he's got a very reasonable cap hit of 19.3 million. He's got a base salary of 17.3, um, and then that $7.5 million signing bonus is spread out over the next four years of the contract. So that breaks down to 1.875 per year. Next year, his base will jump to 32.9, and then in 2024, 41.9, and then 41.2 over the remaining years of that contract. So his total his 24.9 guaranteed is his 2022 salary, so that's fully guaranteed this year. Again, that's $17.3 million plus the 7.5 signing bonus. So he's looking at $24.9 guaranteed at signing, you know, his base salary plus the signing bonus this year. And then next year, his 2023 salary and $7.5 million of his 2024 salary will fully guarantee on February 15th. So before next year's league year, you would figure he's not going to be cut before then. So essentially, he's got this year, next year, and then a small portion of 2024, uh, fully guaranteed. So I bring up the Derek Carr, since we're talking about Deshaun Watson, is Derek Carr a top five quarterback in the league? Probably not, but he is an above average quarterback. He's certainly in the top 15. Where you rank him is going to depend on your opinion of him, um, but he's he's a nice quarterback. When the Deshaun Watson deal came out, I think the concern was that any quarterback who is above average would seek a fully guaranteed deal. And you can see that we are still years away from that happening. I mean, Kirk Cousins, who I would put probably in the same vein as Derek Carr, he's been able to do it. Um, but Derek Carr signed what I would call a very team-friendly deal. Next year, if after this season... If the Raiders wanted to move on, they could do so before February 15th of next year, and they would only carry a $5.6 million dead cap on Derek Carr, and he's not going to see any of that money. Again, do I, see, do I see that happening? No, I don't. I think he's probably, at least for the next two years, tied to Vegas. Um, but again, if after those two years they want to move on, they certainly can. So it's a, it's a team-friendly deal. They control Derek Carr for the next four years. 
However, if they want to move on after the next year or even the next two years, they certainly can with very little financial repercussions. And this contract is a very far cry from what Deshaun Watson got. And again, you might argue, well, Deshaun Watson is a generational talent. Derek Carr isn't. Deshaun's 25, 26. Derek Carr's 31. I get all of that. But I think the concern among NFL teams after seeing what Deshaun Watson was able to get is that that was going to be the future for quarterbacks. And you can see that's that's not the case. We're still a long way away from that. Um, Derek Carr gets a nice deal. If he's able to play out these years, um, you know, that's good money for him. So I'm happy for him. It's It appears that he really wanted to remain in Vegas, which is why he was probably willing to take um, a more team-friendly deal. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was hoping for – for more, for more in guarantees, but it is what it is. He's happy with the deal. The team's happy with the deal. It's all you can ask for. And it, it just may point to the fact that Deshaun's deal was more of an anomaly than the league getting ready to, um, pursue fully guaranteed deals. Again, when we get to this next off season, after the next season, Burrow and Herbert will be extremely important to watch and Lamar Jackson to a certain standpoint that's where we'll get into it because those guys are elite they are young what do teams do because if you're the Chargers you're the Bengals you can't afford to watch those guys play in a different uniform so the players truly do have all the leverage so where does that go from there so um, as always fascinating stuff um, I hope you all enjoyed it um, it was kind of fun doing the research for this episode, and it's it's exciting as an agent that these types of discussions are being had. You know, what happens with fully guaranteed deals? You know, can we ever get to a point with player options? I think we are years away, however, but the fact that things are trending in that direction is very good news in my opinion. So, um, you know, for more content like this, follow me on Twitter, Impact Sports Management, Instagram, Impact Sports underscore football, um, and then my Substack page. If you just search Impact Sports, um, you'll, you should find it there. So thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you all later. Bye.